You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for checking out the Redux Church Podcast, a place for genuine conversation covering Scripture and the principles we glean from it. Now, here's your host. All right, everybody, we are back in Acts chapter 4. We are delighted to have you join us in this conversation today. I have my uh, three highly honorable cohorts back with me to finish the chapter. Uh, Miss Vicki, we'll let you go first. Say hi to everybody. Hello. Hope everybody's doing great. All right. You glad to be with us, Miss Vicki? I'm excited about being here. All right. We had a good time this last episode. Vicki CK, right? B-I-C-K. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, what do you know? Uh, less than I did about an hour ago, but that's all right. Not a whole lot less. I just, I'm certain I forgot something, you know? Okay. So do we need to try and find a stand-in for you in this no, I mean, conversation? Right. Okay. Why don't you tell people about uh, going to worship? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's like everything. You got, I mean, you know, this, I say it a lot and, and I don't care if it gets old. The only thing we have to give God is our worship. Everything else we have, we think we have, is really just borrowed. It's just yeah. we're stewards of it. Time, that's his, right? Our life, that's his. Money, that's his. But how we determine where our worship goes, how we direct our worship, that's entirely up to us. Wow. So the most important thing we could ever do is give him that worship. Like that's that's all we have to give. That's truly our sacrifice. That's why I call it a sacrifice of praise, right? It's, it's a sacrifice. It's what I have to give him. And so... Uh, you know, take time to do that. It, anything that we talk about here today in the light of, it's like this response, right? I mean, I think people should worship before and I think they should worship after. <laughs> I think it's it's like breathing. You know, the first thing he does uh, in Genesis, he breathes life into Adam. So the first thing we do is we receive. And then when we exhale, we're giving out. And we yeah. so we give that worship. And I always think that- That's good. That's the response. And so uh, right now I'm going to tell you that God is worthy. He has done more for us than we have ever even considered the possibility of acknowledging. Mm. So worshiping him should be ridiculously yeah. simple. So let's go do that. You can go to redux.church. You can go to Spotify, YouTube. I say you should go to Spotify, like a music thing like that and build a great playlist because even though we have worship that we've recorded on on Redux, it's recorded. It's somebody else's stuff. They sing it better than us. So <laughs> you can go connect with that. And then uh, and then when you're back, you're back. And we'll just say, like, you just got back. So All right. here we are. All right. We're going to jump in. Uh, we are in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4. So let's read the rest of the chapter here. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything uh, in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats 
and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's good. So, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were filled on the day of Pentecost. Right. <laughs> They're filled in mm-hmm. Acts chapter 4. And and there's there's almost synonymous. I don't know if the word synonymous, but there's definitely a um, uh, a symptom of being filled with the Holy Spirit is boldness. Yeah, right. Same thing happened in, in Acts two, and and what are they praying for here? They're praying for boldness. The room shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love it because they're coming out of this. Right. We we just talked about this last episode how the the Pharisees were were trying to shut them down and so like they they were bold in that statement that moment right they being Peter and John and they're sitting there going no I look you guys do what you want to do we're gonna ha- we have to do like we have to yeah. do this right so so what's happened is that what maybe has gotten lost through the course of these episodes is that this is taking place kind of in front of people and so the people have um, come to believe on in Jesus as a result of the healing that took place that they were getting in trouble for doing, right? And so I love that they go into this and they pray into it. And then they quote this Old Testament scripture um, about how the Gentiles and the kings, they've all set themselves against you, Lord, and you're anointed. Okay, so now they're calling attention to the fact that this is the same thing. These rulers here have set themselves against the Messiah, and so in the course of that, uh, you know, they've gathered, uh, I've had all these different little points, but they talk about Herod and Pilate. Um, and so now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. That line in verse 29, it lays out, okay, here's the situation, but now, Lord, this. And uh, uh, so then it goes on, while you stretch out, uh, see, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I love that it, it connects those two pieces. It's like, hey, give us boldness while this is happening. And then the result is the place was shaken there for the Holy Spirit, i.e. when you pray for boldness, the Holy Spirit is the me- mechanic of that boldness. So, so if we go back to uh, Acts 3, when this actually happens, a mm-hmm. uh, lame man at the gate, beautiful, uh, begging for alms, Peter and, and uh, John say, silver and gold have we none, such as we have. So they stretch out their hand and they, and they pull the man up. Here it says, while you stretch out right. your hand to heal. Mm-hmm. So Peter and John's hand is equivalent to, in this case, the hand of Jesus. His hand is their hand. That's right. Wow. Speak speak to that, yeah. uh, Vicki. Well, you know, we're. I mean, as he is, so are we in this world, right? There you go. And so we can be bold because of that. We don't have to doubt. We don't have to walk in unbelief. You know, he wants, he wants to do these things. He wants to do Acts 4 over and over and over again. He yeah. wants to do Acts 3 over and over and over yeah. again. 
And what's interesting to me about this is that between the time that the lame man was healed and when the leaders, the religious cult, basically came and confronted them, they had maybe a couple, maybe three hours mm-hmm. because of what the scriptures say when these things happened to actually speak to the people because they were they saw how excited they were. Yeah. Right. And the response to them was to teach them and share the word. And then when they go back and they report what's happened, which is what we're talking about here, this, about this bolt, they they prayed for boldness. They didn't they didn't ask God to stop the persecution. This is probably the first recorded mm. prayer in the scriptures where against the per, against persecution yeah. in the church. Good. But they didn't good. say, hey, you know, you know, stop this per- persecution. They just they just said, make us bold. We want to do more of this. Yeah. They were literally coming out of the principal's office, except where their life was threatened, you know, because it literally right. says in verse 21, where we, you know, last week we, we kind of ended it before this, it says, and when they had threatened them further or further threatened them, yeah. they let them go, finding no way to punish them yet. So they were looking for a way to punish them. And so it literally, when we picked up here today, it says when they were released, right after yeah. they got out of the principal's office and they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together and to God and said, and that's when they begin to make that prayer. Right, and so it's fresh off of the heels of threat. Um, and and here's the thing: you don't have to say much to to the believers to to get them a little concerned because you know they're fresh off of murdering Jesus. Right. <laughs> so it's not like you know they're like, what are you going to do? They're not saying that. They're saying, look, I, you guys are going to do what you got to do, but we have to do what we have to do. So so it's a. It's not a deliver us from evil by removing us. It's delivering us from evil by raising us up to be bigger than it. Well, and not even that. I mean, not to open this can of worms, but they weren't even praying for freedom from the persecution. No. They were praying for confidence to continue in spite of the persecution. And, And how many of us today... Pray for the removal of persecution. How many of us? I mean, hear it all the time. It's constant. Mm-hmm. Lord, take this out of my and, life. You know, and I am this. also guilty of having done that. In, in well, the midst I of wasn't going to say yeah. it, but you're the chief offender, as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, I probably am. <laughs> I probably am. <laughs> I'm just, I can't, of course. But uh, you know, I, I can't help but think while we're talking about this, um, God's original command to Adam was to fill the earth and subdue it. And the lame man had a problem in his personal earth. Mm. And Peter and John are are obeying that original command. They are subduing problems in the earth. And when they were called, if you go back to uh, Matthew chapter four, when they were called, uh, he says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And the first thing they did is they went around Galilee and began healing the sick making the lame to walk, uh, visiting those in prison, et cetera, et cetera. Making it possible so, for them to subdue. So all they are doing is is what they saw Jesus do personally, which goes back to our previous episode. Uh, they, they knew that they had been with Jesus and they duplicated what they experienced with him. And isn't that the same as, as Jesus says, I only do what I saw my father do or mm. right. only speak what I hear saw my father do. So everything is about reproduction or reproducing that original experience that we've had. Right. 
Say right. something about that, Miss Vicky. Well, you know, the whole thing about when they when Jesus called them, because you're talking about when he called them, these are just ordinary men. Most of them were what, fishermen? Mm-hmm. There's a tax collector in there at some Un- point. Uncommon, uneducated. A couple right. of thieves. So he just <laughs> said, piece. Yeah, just come and just follow me. And they did. We were talking about experience and education before. Yeah. They had both. Mm. Jesus taught them and and they experienced it. Oh. Right. So it you cannot have one without the other. You have mm-hmm. to have both. And they're trying to shut down they're trying to shut down the education part, more or less, right? Because right, right. they're the educated ones, right? Right. They've mm. got the paper hanging on the mm. wall. But they want to shut down that part of it. Yeah, it, yeah, we know that he was healed, but we don't want you to teach about it. We don't want you to teach about his name. We don't want you doing any of that. But they can't deny what happened. And so the experience and the education to me is which really what they're praying for. Let us speak your word with signs and wonders. Yeah. It's all of it. It's all encompassing. The problem with the church today is you've got one without the other. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I, I thought of this, that statement that is, I guess people don't like this probably, but those who uh, can't teach or something like that, I don't know all the things, but you know what I'm saying? Like people will teach something. Those because, that can't do teach. Yes. that's Yeah. yeah. So, so within the, the context of this though, you said they, Jesus did both. He did both. And, and he absolutely did. But what I find so um, affirming is that he didn't start with teaching, right? right? He didn't say blah, 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 blah. What he, he did an action. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, th- and then I think here's, here's the kind of the key as to the, what I would say is the why he did a thing. They left and then his disciples went, hey, so what's the deal with this thing that you just did, right? Yeah. He waited for them to ask. He didn't say, all right, guys, gather around. I'm, you're not going to ask me, so I'll tell you. Like, that didn't happen. They were they were amazed, right? But even when he taught, he taught in riddle. You know, he taught in, yeah. in parable that not everybody understood, and, right. it, and it was intentional. And so they asked, they asked a question and, and one, I mean, I think it's, it's evident, same thing happens in science. The first step of education in understanding the world around us is observation. You see something happen right? and you go, why'd that happen? (laughs) You know what I mean? You don't postulate that something's happened. I mean, there's theories, but I'm saying those theories are still driven by some experience that you've had. And so I think that that's so crucial and, and man, I, I feel like in a long, a long, uh, significant way that we maybe have stumbled upon this this dichotomy between teaching and experience. Maybe a, a big symptom as to what is malfunctioning a little bit in the Western Church because if if we've got nothing but education, and and that's not fair to say nothing, but let's just say it this way: we've elevated education above experience. Experience becomes the secondary thing, and what does that then require of us? It means that we are going to make experience match our paradigm, right? Our education says this. So if the experience doesn't line up with the education, well, then there's something wrong with the experience. Rather than here's the experience, help me understand what happened. And so I think we've just, we've reversed it. Well, if you think about it this way, think about people that have experienced a trauma, and what we see a lot of times when people have experienced a trauma is they make the tra- they turn the trauma into their religion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
the trauma becomes the author of their doctrine, yeah. more or less. And they worship it. Right. And and that's not what we're talking about here, right. but that can happen. But when the glory of God comes in word and deed, mm-hmm. um, there's nothing that can defeat that except unbelief, which is what's going on in Acts chapter four. There's unbelief in there. They don't want to believe. They don't want to let go of the way that it used to be. They don't want to let go of tradition. They don't want to let go of status. Um, But when power and demonstration and the word comes together, um, all that stuff is just secondary. It's not even an issue anymore. Yeah. Mm. So that's my thoughts on on that's that. The, um, I, I'm, I'm thinking of Ephesians 4. It talks about the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. These disciples had been with Jesus. They, they followed him wherever he went. Wherever he went, these divine appointments popped up because Jesus had been with his father and, and was expecting things to come up for him to deal with, right? And so these disciples are following him around. They're watching Jesus operate. Now Jesus is gone from the scene, death, burial, resurrection, ascension back to heaven. And, and so they're doing the only thing they know to do. Mm. You, you sort of, you sort of, you almost mm. got to where I was right. going. They, they, they have this, they have this experience with him watching, asking questions as you were saying, Jeremy, now Jesus leaves the scene. The only thing they know to do is do what Jesus did. You mentioned those that can't do, do teach. teach. Maybe we need to stop teaching like that's our God. Can I, can I say it that way? You can say how you want. <laughs> Maybe we need to stop worshiping the teaching ministry so much in the modern day church and start having an environment where we do what we've seen, we do what we know and see what that doing releases and leads us into. Lives are not changed because we have 60 minutes of oratory on Sunday morning. Mm -mm. Lives are changed because we took what we've experienced out into the street, intersecting in the lives of real people with real problems. You mentioned people have trauma. Man, you know, as, as we do our Radical Life Transformation program at the building over at Capitol Hill, I discover that there's, there's, there's people filled with trauma. Mm-hmm. It, it's a normal everyday experience. And, and we gotta go into that world with what we have. And, and we don't, we, we get equipped by being in the presence. We don't equip because we listen to oratory. Mm-hmm. You, you, you really said that before. I'm just saying it a different way. so much better. But, you know, <laughs> um, man, we, 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 we got to get out into the streets. Now, I'm a, sort of a street pastor to some extent. Right. So that's my, that's well, my heartbeat. But it's, it's also but, figurative. It's not, 
there's or you know there's literal get in the streets, but there's also like uh, like I've I've talked to some guys this this today literally today about coming to my house and doing my small group stuff again. Well, well, what's my point there? And I mean, there's no hidden agenda. It's like, hey, let's let's share this experience with them. But what what we're doing is creating a place. What I'm doing is trying to create a place for them to have an experience uh, in relationship. Very similar one when you start telling your life story, which is one of the things we do. When you start doing that. Then everyone there weighs in. There's like an experiential moment of of truth and relationship that's built. And I I really do. I think that's one of the biggest problems is that we also, you know, in in trying to manufacture the experience, we're we're still still trying to be directive. Like I've been a part of discipleship groups before where where they have taught us to go out and 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 have this in the street type of experience. They call it, well, I don't remember what they call it. My point is though, what did I state? What did I just say? They taught us to go and do this versus just simply saying, come with me, please. Like, like I talked to you about an experience today, not that you needed some new experience, but I said, Hey, I was going to do this, but I thought, would you like to do this today? Yeah. Now, why did I do that? I literally did it because honestly, because I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, you should ask Wayne. <laughs> I don't think of it in those terms, mm-hmm. but um, because to me, it just it's like, okay, that's the leading. But but that's the whole point, right? Giving people an opportunity to have those experiences, which absolutely includes actually going out to the street and speaking to strangers, but it in- also includes going to somebody in your office and saying, you know, I think uh, Darren Hedrick talked about this uh, this last Sunday. He said, you know, there's a real simple thing to say. You'll be sitting somebody in your, you know, cubicle away and you've known them for 10 years and you've never talked to them about Jesus. I'm very much paraphrasing Darren here. If I wasn't, I'd say glory. Anyway. <laughs> so, but he says, hey, go, you know, just go to him and say, hey, I just want to apologize. I, I don't think I've ever shared with you my faith. Would you mind if I share now, you know, and just being upfront about that. And I'm telling you what, man, like that, that's, these are things that are, shouldn't be revolutionary. Right. But my goodness, they are. Right. That's very non-confrontational, right? A, right. a very friendly approach. But, um, so I, I like that too, cause I was there and I, and I heard that, but this is the other thing too, that especially in the ministry that you just mentioned, mm. It's so important for us to have an expectation of God's goodness. Mm. That's that's what they had in Acts 4. They saw what happened to this lame man. They followed. They listened. They heard. And they had an, even when they prayed, they had an expectation that God was going to do what he did before, that he was going to do what Jesus did and whatever they asked in his name would happen. There was an expectation. There was, they didn't even, I don't even think they perceived that it just wasn't going to happen. They had an expectation of good. And a lot of time we don't. And you think about what that does to a person. They have, you'd have no expectation that God is good, (laughs) right? that he has good things for your life. And there are people because of trauma that don't, but that's what the gospel's about. Yeah. It's to give people that expectation of good, that hope. And to me, that's what acts is about. Yeah. Because that's what it produces, an expectation of good. And we all need that. Yeah. I think what we've got here is um, Peter and John were bold on the way to the temple, right? They've been threatened. 
They've been told not to speak. They're praying for boldness. They're praying for boldness is literally uh, a request to say, Lord, we want more experiences like what just caused all this problem. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Right. You know, we want more opportunity to have conflict. And we know that where there's conflict, you're going to show up. Mm talking about that expectation you're talking about. Uh, if we don't, if we don't have any expectation, we'll always be satisfied. Right. And if you think about the religious leaders, they didn't want people having that expectation. Right. Especially in the name. Yeah. That'd be a they problem. don't want that because that takes away, they perceive it takes away from them. It's kind of like people in ministry that get competitive mm. as though God isn't big enough. Be careful. Really? God is so big. There's there's plenty and more than enough yeah. to go around. Mm -hmm. But these Pharisees and these Sadducees, they 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 didn't want them to have an expectation of good. They want them looking to them for everything yeah. that they need. And they, they were, weren't the answer. They were busy administrating a system that provided for yes, them. Yes, exactly. And and. If, if miracles began happening, that's going to disrupt their ability to administer their profitable system. That's mm. exactly right. That's good. Are we going to finish this uh, chapter or are we going to do a third one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about this last part. I think, it, I think it dovetails into it. That's, the, that's kind of the thing because you have this. Uh, well, we need to read it. I'll let you read it first. Um. Wow, did I stop reading someplace? Well, we yeah, didn't I stopped finish, reading at yeah, 31, 30, didn't I? Well, rightfully so. Okay. Yeah. So verse 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I think this is their, their no choice scenario. It's like, you know what? <laughs> it's like factions. You know, I call my small group fire pit faction because we hang out around the fire pit. And and I think what you see is like they were threatened. It's like, we're going to have to kind of live in our own world here. And this communal living thing, a lot of mm -hmm. people would read this and be like, mm -hmm. oh, they're communists. <laughs> well, I mean, they're communal <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. but they're not they're not they weren't mandated they were by choice and i and i think that that's huge but i love to me this is the first picture of spiritual family uh well maybe mm. the first picture the 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 spiritual family after the the ascension of jesus because obviously he was really a, the beautiful picture of that but they were nomadic you know, and, and this is the difference, you know, the apostles were nomadic, but these groups of people like the churches, when we get into, the, you know, Paul's writing all these letters to the churches, they're not nomadic. They're Christians. They're in one place. It's, it's not, it's not hard to avoid trouble when you're nomadic. <laughs> if you've raised up, you know, you've caused all these issues and you, then you just go to the next town, but these believers lived there. Yeah. So my perception is that in, in the modern day church, there sometimes is a division 
because there are groups that want to operate in signs and wonders, which you've talked mm-hmm. about, Ms. Vicki. Mm-hmm. You're making reference to this communal living. And so we have folks who operate in, quote, the social gospel. We have folks that operate in signs and wonders. And, and we, sort of, we sort of fight over who's going to be in which camp. Yeah. And the answer really is C, all of the exactly. above. Right. It's, it's, yes, Jesus is alive. Yes, his presence is still at work. The mm-hmm. kingdom is here right now. It's not something we're going to in another planet, another solar system. The kingdom has come. Jesus made that announcement. Let's have the signs and wonders. Let's change people's lives. But let's live as family. Let's see that nobody's in need. Let's learn to practice the one another's and love one another. Mm-hmm. It's That's see good. all of the above. Yeah. Yep. All well, of the above. And I think it's interesting too, and I don't want to dive too deep into these woods, but you know, I think about Matthew 28 and uh, Jesus gives the great commission and he says to the apostles, go into all the world, preach the good news, right? And I've heard it said, you know, that, that the great commission, it's, and I think this is the default position that that is for every believer on the planet. And, and I've, I'm not convinced of that. And I say that because prior to, he he said that to the 12 uh, apostles, he was with all of the disciples right before that. (laughs) And then he took the 12 and he said to the 12, go off and do this. And I, and as I'm reading this and thinking through this process, I, I kind of see the same kind of concept here. There's the apostolic call to evangelism. And then there is the believer call to evangelism, which to me is demonstrated in this, this statement in Acts. It's like, we are, we, this is our world, right? This is where we live. And obviously I'm going to share the good news with those around me. And at some point, especially in these worlds, everyone's either converted or denied. Like these aren't like towns of 17,000 people, you know, these are villages. And so Everyone has either said, yep, I'm on board or they're not. And they're living in this space and they're living testimonies. Um, but you, then you have those who maybe are called to be an apostle. Like we can think of, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, the guy that, uh, Apollos, for example, mm-hmm. Apollos is a believer who was called to an apostolic ministry. We don't know a ton about him from scripture. We know more about him in antiquity and history than we do from scripture. We just, he's referenced. But, um, and then another guy, uh, uh, the church in Philippi, um, Clement, I think was his name. And so you do have those who are called to those specific roles, but I think it speaks to the value and, and maybe the intentionality of ministering in your space yeah. and, and sharing the gospel in your space. The, the sort of social gospel thing we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes creates an opportunity outside the walls on Sunday morning yeah. to have the signs and wonders be in the street. And isn't that where the signs and wonders really ought to be? Right. Not the same 12 people right. receiving right. the same stuff every Sunday morning, but spilling mm-hmm. out because there's an overflow already in us. Right. Wow. I'd argue the most wrong word I've heard in church in a long time is invite people here so they can meet Jesus. Mm. No. Right. Yeah. Go introduce them to Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) You know, one of the things that strikes me about that is everybody held everything in common. Yeah. There were no haves and have nots. There were before. Before the kingdom, there were haves and Mm, have nots. That's good. Yeah. After the kingdom, there weren't. They were all the same. In the kingdom, there's neither Jew nor Greek, Mm -hmm. male nor female. See, they had everything in common. They're all, it's all leveled out. Mm. We don't see that anymore, really, 
but 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 I think that there's something to be said to that. Yeah. Yes. That they were all the same. Nobody resented anybody. Nobody envied anybody. Nobody was covetous. It was just all held in common because Jesus just levels everything yeah. out. I'm on board. Anybody listening and wants to join into the commune thing, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> they they had a unity and a harmony. Yes. And and Psalms 133 tells us that where there's unity and harmony, that's where the anointing is released. Yeah. Amen. Miss Vicky, would you pray us out today? Father, we're just so grateful for your word and so thankful, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, for your Son Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our Teacher, our Prophet. Lord, we just thank you for this ministry. I just bless Redux. I bless Jeremy and Wayne and what they're doing in the kingdom. And I bless all the listeners, Father God. I just pray that they're blessed by what's been released here, that whatever has been said that touches their hearts, they would take it and just meditate on it to let it marinate and speak to them. We just give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. All right. Awesome. Awesome word of prayer there. Listen, we would uh, encourage you to go to redux.church and uh, check out what uh, is there. There's going to be other podcasts coming up. Find out about the next In Real Life event coming up. Uh, Send us a prayer request. Give us a comment, some feedback. Uh, We'd like to know how we can interject into your life with you. We love you. Appreciate you. We'll see you again in Acts chapter 5.